Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and you can call me the Chartreuse Shark. I'm Eric, and I am the Mauve Manatee. I'm Richard, and I'm the Fuchsia Fox. And we're about to do some vigilante justice on some plot holes and plot hole spreaders. And we're going to fill these plot holes. We have something. What are we filling them with? We're filling them with scrapped... 1936 Chrysler Imperials. Very specific. We've got a bunch of them. And we're only going to be able to do this because of our sidekick, right? Yes. That's right. Because we're talking about Green Hornet. Yay, I'm sure everyone remembers that movie, Yeah, it's a movie that was super popular that everyone went and saw, and... They made a ton of sequels about it. Over... Decades, I guess we could qualify there. Yeah, it used to be pretty big. Did you know that they actually recently just sold the movie rights again? Hot potatoed them? They were planning on doing a re-reboot in like 2016 and then decided against it. And then they ditched the movie rights to a different studio, I want to say like two months ago. You know, I'm going to have to give props to someone for choosing to let go of the movie rights rather than make a bad movie. I'm going to give him thumbs up. But uh, what is this movie about, Eric? What's the story? The Green Hornet is a bro's superhero origin story. Brett something is a playboy living large off his daddy's money. But because this is a superhero movie, Brett's father dies and leaves his vast fortune to his child. Because Brett has a good heart, he decides to fight the corruption in his city with his loyal valet, Cato. This draws the attention of the big crime boss of the, sh- of the city, Chegnovsky, who vows revenge. Brett and Cato go through his organization from the bottom up until Chegnovsky has no other choice but to kill them. Through many, many destroyed vehicles and explosions, Brett and Cato come out on top and continue to fight for the little guy as the Green Hornet. And Cato. And Cato, yes. And the other guy. What other guy? You know, the the guy who runs around with the Green Hornet. Yeah, his sidekick. Oh, yeah. The other guy. His chauffeur. I think it's called valet when you're that rich. I don't know. It could still be chauffeur. Chauffeur is also what rich people have. What is the difference? Um, Well, a valet is a guy who only parks your car. Chauffeurs also drive you around. Okay. Now you know. The more you know... So what are our movie facts, now that we know what the movie's about? So, uh, it had a $120 million budget. Ten of that was tacked, ten million of that was tacked on when the uh, studio decided it needed to be made in 3D, because this was back when 3D movies were going to be the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it opened to, thir- to get turn $33 million in its uh, opening weekend, made it all the way up to $98 million here in the U.S., uh, but once it went overseas, it actually earned $227 million because they likes Cato. Um, oh, 
interesting things about this film. Yeah, interesting facts. So, uh, there is a moment in the film where they're watching on TV and uh, Brit has just decapitated a statue, and the, but there's no bit of, no mention of Cato on there. You can't see him on TV, and he's all like, I'm too fast for the camera. Yeah. Uh, this is actually specifically because back in the 1966 uh, TV show, when Bruce Lee was Kato, they had to up the camera cycle to catch all of his fight moves because he was literally too fast for the camera. So Art. That's uh, a fun callback. Yeah. An entertaining callback there. And then also, uh, Brit something or other is Brit Reed, specifically... Uh, the same read as is the grandnephew of the Lone Ranger. Because originally, uh, the Green Hornet was the grandnephew of the Lone Ranger, and his father had run around with the Lone Ranger before. I'm going to guess that the Green Hornet and the Lone Ranger played on the same radio channel. They did. They were, in fact, written by the same people. And the 1960s movie TV shows of the Green Hornet and Batman were also a shared cinematic universe. It was a different time back then. I and guess radio was the Disney of that time. Tom Wilkerson played in this Green Hornet movie, The Lone Ranger that happened three years later, and Batman Begins. And so he, he is which the, character was that? Uh, he was the he was Brit's dad. Oh yeah, because he's the mob boss in uh, Batman Begins. Oh yeah. Well, the more you know. And so there you go. He's the link between the shared cinematic universe. And the shared radio universe? Yeah. It, it's just a strange, wacky world we live in. All right. It's a very wacky world because it's a world where plot holes happen. Plot holes we're going to have to take out, guys. With extreme prejudice? So, Mob Manatee, do you have a plot hole for us? I do, and this plot hole is... Or, these, or I guess these bunches of plot holes are coming from movieplotholes.com. So... At one point, the Daily Sentinel staff mentions a rogue vehicle uh, launching a rocket missile at a video camera on the streets. This event, however, happens later on in the film. Judging by Britt's reaction, it was the first time he witnessed the car launching a missile to a CCTV. Thus, the staff mentions an act done by the Green Hornet in the future. The Green Hornet is now a sci-fi film. Or, I or, think they meant launch, though. Yeah, they did mean launch, they but mean I'm launch. okay with say, launching missiles. Yeah, I'm gonna say um, Kato gets hungry and launches missiles all the time. And before he decided to actually, you know, do the maneuver in a very important place, he decided to do it in a controlled situation while he was driving down the street to see if he could hit a CCTV. CCTV camera because Kato plans ahead. And so they were actually talking about, you know, Kato just checking up on his gizmos and gadgets and making sure everything works how he planned on it. And then Brit comes along for the ride and is super impressed because everything Kato makes obviously works the first time. And wasn't, you know, tested over and over and over in a controlled setting. He didn't practice it while just driving around and blowing up CCTVs. No. There's just no montage of it, because Kato's classy like that. He doesn't this need movie that credit. was already long enough. We don't need a montage. I would have been okay with a Kato montage. I mean, we did have a montage at the very beginning. The party montage. Oh, see, cut that montage out, put in a Kato montage. Better movie. Better movie. All right. I think it would have succeeded. How about this one, the Fuchsia Fox? 
when uh, Cato saves Brit from a couple of thugs right after they decapitated James Reed's iron statue, he punches a man through a car lateral glass window from the other side of the car. Which means that he stretched his arm to be around two meters long and somehow made no sound when he destroyed the first lateral glass window before hitting the second window and the thug. All right. So here is where we come into some of my really deep theories on this film. Kato actually has superpowers. Because we have the fight scene where, like, right after this, he does this, like, jumps up onto the hood of the car, but then he runs across the hood of the car as it stretches into, like, four cars to go to then go into this kick thing. He's capable of splitting things into multiple dimensions, and so he just did the reverse of that on the car and squished it together so he only had to punch through the one pane of glass. Kato has superpowers. I mean, it's not just a visual, fun visual effect. It is literally an alteration of space. Yeah, he, like, it's... If it was just a nifty visual effect, he'd only need to step on the car with one foot once, but he actually runs across it in, like, three steps while everything is time-slowed down. He moves that quick. Oh, so, um, I mean, aren't we 100% sure that the other window was a... Down. We're not 100% sure whether that that window was down. To be fair, you probably would want to have it rolled up in that kind of neighborhood. Yeah, but not everyone's clever. But I'm just saying Kato can compress reality. You have any thoughts on this, Eric? I'm just going to say Richard makes a lot of sense. Like, they don't show that car-stretching effect ever again in the movie, so... Like... I think Cato just maybe can do it once a week or so. I don't know. He's got to charge up. What if he's a um, a technological superhero? Like a robot? Yeah, like a robot. I could see him being a robot and uh, extending his arm through the uh, through the car. First he made a coffee machine. Then he made himself better. Well, of course. Extendable arms. His entire goal throughout the movie is to make things better. Why not improve himself? The best way he knows how to. Oh, so he did his eyes too. So that's why there's the the red flashing on things. Like I said, Kato, the actual superhero. Yeah, I kind. So this is going to spoil the end of the movie a little bit, but you know, Seth Rogen's character starts to see in the uh, infrared. So I think Kato has been secretly practicing on him while he's been uh, knocked out. Like that? Yeah, the time period where he was in a coma for eleven days. Yeah, exactly. I think Kato's modifying people. He's one real. La- he's one lab accident for becoming a supervillain himself. I just feel like he is. Move- he's he looked at it and said, "Well, we're heading towards the singularity." And then he's like, "You know, if we're on the side of the machines, they can't get us." All right. So I've got one for you, our chartreuse shark. All right. Britt and Cato are stuck in their car underneath a couple of meters of sand and debris, and in order to escape. They create a massive explosion that lifts all the soil over them and the bulldozer on top of it. The explosion and heat, however, doesn't damage any of them who are basically right beside the explosion source. All right. So we're talking about Kato here and his upgraded vehicle. He also is the one who launches the missiles and gets everything set up. And then they climb behind to have the back seat between them and the outside. So I think uh, he used shape charges of some kind. 
and the uh, car itself has been reinforced. Basically, they're trying to get most of the energy to go the other way, and uh, he did something to make that happen. You know, kind of like how rockets just don't explode, but it takes uh, some effort to do that. I think he did something there to make that happen, using his uh, techno brain and his uh, reinforced vehicle and the super missiles, probably shape charges, because it does launch the bulldozer. And, I mean, I'm going to point out that the car itself, like, he has that car do all sorts of things. Obviously, it took, it managed to take a semi-hit completely intact. It did, yeah. And he put better than bulletproof glass on it. So I'm just going to say that probably most of the force was redirected off of the vehicle. They managed to get it to go towards the uh, location where he wanted it to. Yeah. So it cleared off a lot of the sand and dirt. And uh, got the heavy object off of them. Because, I mean, Mythbusters did their own thing where they tried to replicate the scene and said it killed people, killed everybody inside. But they were not working with a completely bulletproof car that manages to survive getting hit by a semi completely unscathed. They are not working with the appropriate materials and they just can't replicate it. And to be honest... Um, Jamie and Adam are not self-upgraded into Kato. No, they have not managed to build themselves robot arms yet. I suspect that's a couple of years away for Adam Savage. I'll well, be he's honest. made a couple of robot arms, hasn't he? He worked on the Star Wars movies. He's I mean, made a couple of robot arms, but he hasn't given himself a robot arm. I mean, he's no Grant Imhara, so if out of any of the Mythbusters, I think he'd be the first to upgrade himself. He totally would. Well, he would actually um, experiment on... Uh, oh, on Tori. On Tori not first. To- yeah, Tori B- Belushi. No, not... Is it Belushi? I can't remember. It's been so long Belucci. since I watched the... Yeah, Tori Belucci. Yeah, because he has He would be insurance. the guinea pig. Which he- I kind of felt bad for him, like, watching the show. It's like, he has to do all the bad stuff. He has the best attitude about it, though. Yeah. But back to the Green Hornet. Can we not? No, we still have another plot hole we have to take care of. I guess we technically have two. Because there's the one on IMDb as well. Okay. About the car being cut in half. Well, but since you brought it up, we might as well just go there. Yeah, real quick. Might as well. Swing on okay. over. So on IMDb, um, the car is shot full of holes, and this allows it to be cut in half on the elevator. The Mythbuster special uh, tested this and proved that, one, no matter how many bullet holes were in the car, it would not be cut in half. Two, the roof would crush down and not stay intact as it does in the film. And three, cars of, the er- cars of the era were rear-wheel drive, not front-wheel drive. So, I mean, obviously this movie is unrealistic and should be banned. So, when you say cars of that era, do you mean 1936 or self-improving Cato era? Probably 1936. Because that's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a guy who makes the perfect cup of coffee and then makes a car that can split in half on command. With functioning ejector seats. I I bet he made it so you could drive that car in either the front half or the back half or the left half or the right half, if necessary. So with the last point, they said uh, cars of that era were front-wheel drive or weren't front-wheel drive, they were rear-wheel drive only. Well, to be fair, cars of that era also didn't have rocket launchers in the hood. Yeah. Or guns in their doors. Or reinforced armor plating. Or Ben-Hur spikes. Yeah, I mean, 
he completely built, rebuilt this thing from the ground up. And to be honest, watching it, it didn't look like it got cut in half because of the damage to it. It looks like it just sheared straight off real easy. Because, you know, that's probably how they did the effect. But then we can just claim that Kato did it. In fact, earlier, we watched they have that secret uh, exit from the, uh, um, the, the estate. Mansion? Yeah, the mansion. That has a car that's cut in half. That slides back together to hide that, that there's a uh, passage there. So Cato practicing. Cato practiced. Like he, he shot up a CCTV camera to make sure it worked. He cut a car in half to make sure he could do it. He uh, started Im- started implanting stuff into Britt Reed's eyes. Just saying. Cato did it. It makes sense. Once you look at it. Once you look at it. So we got our last one then. So at the end of the movie, Britt fakes to be shot by Cato in front of the press so they can have a legitimate excuse to be treated by surgeons to remove the bullet he got in the big brawl the night before. Although a sophisticated plan, it assumes that trained surgeons won't be able to recognize that the bullet wound is not fresh and has in fact been infecting the shoulder for a whole night. You're telling me that in a city where crime runs rampant, you can't bribe a surgeon? I mean, I'm just saying, Britt's got a a load of money. He probably has... Some kind of diagnosed disease that has, gives him a medical marijuana card that he doesn't this even is have. This a Seth Rogen movie. Of course he has a marijuana card. I actually think he might be at the position where he doesn't even need the card. No that would be illegal, him. John. No one's going to ask at, him those questions. At the time. Why do you think he's called the Green Hornet? Oh. Maybe we should just call it Devil's Lettuce then. Devil's Lettuce Hornet. Well, there you go. Know. Devil's Lettuce Earwig? I don't... What lives in lettuce? Um, caterpillars? The green caterpillar. No, that does that sounds dumb. The hungry green caterpillar? Well, now that sounds made up. The very hungry caterpillar. That sounds about right. All right. So, yeah, those are all the plot holes. We took care so of them. Sh- and then we can talk about this movie. So what did you guys think of it? So Had it was, you seen it before? Yes. Yes. I did not pay money, I think, to see it before. I think I watched it on DVD or streaming. I watched it on DVD. This was my first time watching it. So, as much fun as it is to talk about Kato and the possibilities, it's more theoretical than how much fun the movie actually is. Kato is, in fact, the best part of the film. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's not saying much, though. My opinion, this film, I think to improve on this film, it should have been more violent. In my, so like, think, it should have gone for the R instead so it of... It should have been style like a Kick-Ass or... Sin City. Sin City's ty- kind of thing. I still think it should have been a comedy. I, I, you want Snatch? Not Snatch or Deadpool or... There's just so much violence in the movie, but not like real violence. There's only a little bit of blood in the entire movie. And I think it would have been funny if body parts were blown off. I mean, they're killing all the bad guys. That was and, actually one of the funniest scenes is when he is trying to go through the gang members that they massacred trying to get information and he keeps picking up dead bodies. He's all like, if you're gonna, oh, grab uh, another, you're gonna, okay, you. As he uh, realizes that, yes, he's uh, in fact causing harm. So yeah, I think it should have been more violent. No one saw this anyway, so I don't think our rating would have hurt it. <laughs> um, I feel like, as much as we like Kato, he did not play well off of Seth Rogen. No. Or maybe Seth Rogen just didn't play well off of him. Because Seth Rogen has one character. Well. Seth Rogen. As, an, as a note, uh, originally Kato was going to be played by Stephen Chow. But Stephen Chow and Seth Rogen did not get along. 
And so Stephen Chow left the film. Oh. So there were there was personality clash with Seth Rogen through the film. I mean, I don't know. And there's just other bits, like, because you have his dad, and you have his dad for, like, two scenes. Mm-hmm. And you have no reason to like his dad. You don't have a reason to like any of the characters besides Kato. Yeah. I don't know. Lenore's not bad. Who? The girl? Yeah, the girl. She's not compelling. Love interest, I guess. She's not compelling, but... She's I, not I thought annoying. it was funny that she was... I like that she was telling them what to do. Like, they didn't know how to go about. So, like, what's he going to do next? Wink, wink. And she's like, oh, yeah, this is totally what they would do. Like, oh. I mean... I thought that was the funny part. Yeah. But, yeah, he's... Like, our hero isn't very likable. Yeah. And I'm very confused about why uh, their relationship went as long as it did between Kato and uh, Brit before they had a fight. Because almost since the beginning, I mean, they have the first little bit where uh, Brit's just kind of amazed by everything Kato can do. It is very a lopsided relationship, and there's not much uh, appreciation. I suspect that uh, going from employed to unemployed back to being employed may have helped him keep may, may have helped Kato keep his temper temper in check for like a week and a half. Also, knocking him out into a coma for like 11 days helped a lot. Oh, yeah. That would have been a great vacation. Spent a lot of time practice cutting cars in half. Um, You know. Unlicensed human testing. Unlicensed human testing. (laughs) Practicing launching bulldozers into the air using shape charges. Because you never know when that's going to have to happen. Hey, it sounded like a good idea at the time. And Cato is open to good ideas. Yeah. Like, Like ejector seats. He might not say that he thinks it's a good idea, but he'll still do it. He stored it to his hard drive. So, uh, this was your first time watching this, Eric. We didn't know that, so, uh, you have thoughts, don't you? I, I just, in my opinion, I think Seth Rogen is one of my least favorite actors out there. I think he dethroned Jack Black as my least favorite actor. Um, so yeah, I would probably go Seth Rogen, Jack Black, Will Ferrell as characters who play themselves. See, I feel like you can do stuff with Will Ferrell as long as, you know, you have a good director directing him instead of letting him do his own thing because he will try and do his own thing. Because, like, Stranger Than Fiction isn't bad. Like I said, I he's played that movie. two characters. He's played himself in everything, and then he played his character in Stranger Than Fiction where he had a director that told him no. It's a much more subdued, subdued role. Like, that's that movie is the one that convinced me Will Ferrell can actually act. And see, at the very least, I know that uh, Jack Black is a, a nice guy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying he's not nice. I just I think he plays the same character in the majority of his movies. Yes, because you have Shallow Hal. Um, I haven't seen Shallow see. Hal. Well, he plays a guy who is fat and acknowledges that he's fat a lot. Let's see, you have School of Rock, where he plays a guy who is fat that acknowledges that he's fat a lot. Oh, and he's a jokester. Um, let's see. So he's a chubby what jokester. Basically, he's like a less dead Chris Farley. He played R.L. Stein once. I haven't seen Ghost uh, Goosebumps, so not Ghostbumps. I think he's a very different character in Tropic Thunder. I mean, oh, he, he is a fat. He is a, a fat guy who acknowledges that he's fat and he's a jokester. But he's also uh, isn't he trying to become serious or no? That's uh, that, or no? He was put in that movie because he they needed the comedy in there. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a... Oh, so you remember in, uh, like, the 90s when they had Eddie Murphy doing, like, the Eddie Murphy flicks? Yeah. 
where, you know, he's like playing multiple characters or doing like it's pretty much a vehicle for him. So uh-huh. he kind of is a mockery of that concept, but also um, is playing the very high energy kind of a jerk jokester. And is this Jack Black or is this? Yeah, Joe this Rogan? is Jack. This is Jack Black. OK, Seth Rogen's always Seth Rogen. I don't oh, know Seth of Rogen. anything where Seth Rogen isn't Seth Rogen. I, I, just to, before I forget, I think Seth Rogen is OK in small doses, but I don't think. I'm not, I don't like him in as actual, like an actor. I, feel I like, like him in, in cameos. I feel like he's better when he's assaulted onto something, basically. Like you already can get humor from other places. And so he's just kind of a little bit extra, but when he's trying to lead it along, it's not as good. Yeah. And like, that's one of the biggest problems with the Green Hornet film itself is that it is nonstop Seth Rogen written humor. Like, the plot itself is very Green Hornet. There's a lot of nods to the old Green Hornet things, which, like, I really liked the old... I liked the Green Hornet radio show. I listened to that a lot growing up. It was pretty cool. But the Seth Rogen portrayal of Britt Reed makes Britt Reed a completely useless garbage human being who happens to have... who manages to have found himself a literal superhero to tag along as his sidekick and somehow manages to convince the superhero that he should be the sidekick role through the use of money, I guess. Yeah. Where like, I think the film would have been better. Like, I don't know, like going with the more violent route, maybe I think actually having Britt Reed as like somewhat intelligent, like he doesn't have to be Batman. He doesn't have to be a playboy by day, a genius ninja detective by night, but, you know, have him actually have some form of useful skill. Maybe he should have been the charmer quick talker. Yeah, you know. Maybe just not have him be an idiot. That would help. That just, just not an idiot. That's a bare minimum. That's a, a low bar that he could climb, climb over or something. I don't know. But he was literally dumb as a rock. Except near the end when apparently he gets the magic powers or... When Cato gives him his special powers, except that doesn't even work there. Yeah, he yeah. fails there too. He just gets the uh, like the red vision, and he tries stuff, and it works for like two seconds, and then everything falls apart. But it's long enough to give Cato an opening, kind of like it took him like five minutes to piece together the whole puzzle instead of being an instantaneous thing. Oh yeah, I did. I kind of chuckled at that part too, where uh, the sheriff from Stranger Things was like. Okay, so your mouth has been agape for like five minutes, so I figure you're slowly piecing this together, but I'm going to help you along. So that that was a kind of funny part, but I don't know, three chuckles out of a two-hour movie? Yeah, it does feel long. It feels like two hours. How long is this? I th- was it an hour and 40 minutes, or I thought it was two hours? It's two, two hours, hours, but I think uh, the last five or six are credits. Yeah, two hours, almost exactly. I think it's too long. They should have cut out about 20 minutes. Done some editing. Well, this is the first like actual feature length, just film for the green Hornet. Cause all of the other films for it were re edits of episodes of TV shows. So they had the radio in the thirties, right? That's when it came at first started. Uh, yeah, they had the radio in the, th- uh, late in the thirties. Uh, was it comic- based off of the comic book, or was it the radio uh, It was the radio first, show the com- first, then the comic book. 
honestly, like there was a pretty decent pitch for a movie for the Green Hornet in the nineties. Uh, it was a like uh, they were going to have. I think it was going to be Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be playing the Britt Reed character, and I don't know remember who they were going to do for Cato, but it was going to be he was Britt Reed Jr. and it was Cato's daughter that were going to be picking it up and continuing the Green Hornet legacy was the original plot for it, and again it didn't end up going anywhere. And so shortly before this film came out, I know they turned that one into an actual comic series because they liked that particular screenplay. And is the Green Hornet uh, continuing on as a comic book today? Yes, it is still an active comic. Who publishes it? It's not obvious. It's not DC and it's not Marvel. Is it like Dark Horse or? Or Image. I couldn't quite figure that out. It might change hands as time goes on. Doing some quick research. Click, 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 click. Uh, Dynamite Entertainment is who currently publishes it. They do uh, Zorro, Dracula, Sherlock Holmes, Army of Darkness, Terminator, Robocop, Red Sonja, Tarzan. Uh, So Red Sonja is probably their bread and butter, because that's the one that I know the best out of those. Oh, and John Carter. And John Carter. (laughs) Wow, all those sound like movies that... We might have to Sound good on paper, but probably perform poorly. Yeah, we might end up talking about those. Who knows? But uh, do we have any more thoughts on uh, Green Hornet? Well, since it was recently sold to a different pl- different group, I hope they do a better job when they film theirs. I kind of think, so one of the problems that I, so as I was reading about this movie after I watched it, one of the critics I read said the Green Hornet was trying to be three different movies, but didn't succeed at any of them. Like it was a bromance movie, the superhero movie, and... And a comedy. I can't remember. And a comedy, and like because it had to focus on so many things, it didn't. It didn't succeed. Uh, Jack of all trades, master of none, sort of thing. So I think cut out one of those. Like I, I haven't listened to any of the radio shows, so I don't know how violent the uh, Green Hornet was. As violent as you imagined in your head. Well, uh, case in point, uh, the Cato shooting, like pretending to shoot Britt Reed in the middle of a press release to hide his injuries is straight from the radio show. No, that's pretty fun. I don't know. Maybe not focus so much on the bromance movie or the bromance portion of it. Like I said, like I've, make Britt Reed a useful character so that it's not just him trying to slavishly hold on to Kato. But that's like all Seth Rogen movies. Anyways, we've covered that. Let's, let's not rehash <laughs> that. So as long as it's not Seth Rogen, they, they have a fighting chance? Yeah, pretty much. You want to know one of the things that did happen that was good in this film? Originally, Chudnovsky was actually going to be played by Nicolas Cage. You know, that- But Nicolas Cage said that he was going to play Chudnovsky with a Jamaican accent. But then he dropped out, and so now we have this Chudnovsky, who is a Chudnovsky that you can at least take semi-seriously. I kind of feel uh, like something was taken from me that I didn't realize I had until now. <laughs> you didn't realize you missed that Nicolas Cage role? I feel like actually Nicolas Cage doing a Jamaican accent while playing a Russian uh, mobster would have pushed this movie into the so bad it's good zone. Maybe. Maybe. Just, you know, it's... We're already on shaky ground already. But having something that insane 
plopped into it, that might change the whole calculus of everything. It could also just been horrible, like just just straight up terrible. But it's not like uh, they succeeded, so. Well, that's the thing. Like, again, Kato saved this movie because, like, it didn't do great here in the U.S. But as soon as it left the U.S., it had a Chinese release, and the Chinese release did great because who's the hero in this film? Kato. And the Chinese thought that was pretty good. Also, did you know that the guy who plays Kato is a professional singer? No, now I do. Yeah, he was like a pro- he was a big professional singer before the movie, and they didn't actually find out until like two days to the end of the shoot. Otherwise, he could have uh, performed a song for the movie. He could have performed a song for the movie, but or had him they, do more than like whistle the "Flight of the Bumblebee" theme during the film. They probably would have done a James Bond like or esque intro with Kato. With the actor who played Cato singing that. <laughs> and it would have been over the top and just silly. So that is my thoughts on that. So did you like Green Hornet? If so, uh, comment on Facebook. Tell us uh, your thoughts and why you believe Seth Rogen is the greatest comedic genius of this millennium. Or because you can do that in 248 characters or less. You can just do that on Twitter uh, at Plot Spackle Pod. Or... If you want to tell us what you really thought of the movie, was James Franco uh, underutilized? Did you not realize he was even in this movie? Well, it's a Seth Rogen movie, so yes, James Franco is uh, is in this movie. But you could let us know at plotspacklepodcast at gmail.com and tell us how you think this movie could have been made better. And most importantly, we'd like to thank the people who, who help us make this happen. Our patrons from our Patreon, thank you. Thank you for being the Kato. Thank you. Though we do frown upon the human experimentation that you're doing secretly behind the scenes. Eric wants we'll, those 11 days back. We'll vouch for you, though. Chartreuse shark away!